This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature-regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 289. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and if you ask us if we think inflation is a political liability ahead of the midterms, we say, it's a great asset, more inflation, what a stupid son of a bitch. I'm your host, Nikine Farsad, and that was a hot mic moment from Biden, calling um, a Fox reporter a stupid son of a bitch, although, can I say that it wasn't actually a hot mic moment, he was just using the mic to publicly declare uh, that... You know, he knew that the mic was on and he thought that the question about if inflation was an asset was a dumb question and that that guy is annoying. It was that that reporter, Steve Ducey, anyways. Um, I don't usually follow politics of that at that dumb level. But I just felt like, what a shift from malarkey. You know what I mean? From the malarkey days of of, uh, Joe Biden. But today, we are going to talk about all those people that quit during the Great Resignation. We're also going to talk about the etiquette around nude pics that your ex might have. 
And finally, we ask, is holding a grudge actually satisfying? I'm so excited for today's panel. I mean, first of all, you know this man. You love this man. He has been on this show several gajillion times. He's even guest hosted this show. Um, he's one of my oldest comedy buds. He's a comedian. He's a writer. He's a producer. He's also a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces, which is just a side note about a person with such a storied career. It is the one and only Benari Poulton. Hey, Benari. Hey, so great to be here again. And uh, just, I love the warm fuzzy. I love the fake, the nation family and the listeners and the everyone involved. I think you're just uh, wonderful. You're all doing oh, great work. Oh, stop it. Okay. Thank you, Benari. Um, and the uh, other panelist today is here for the very first time, but oh my God, am I so excited because she's also the host of the Stacks podcast, which you should immediately be subscribing to. And it is the one and only Tracy Thomas. Hey, Tracy. Hi, I'm also excited to be here. I just love how you do everyone's intros. Your enthusiasm is just, I'm like, every time I listen, I'm like, oh my God, this person is my new favorite person ever that I've never heard of. So that's me, everyone's new favorite person you've never heard of. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know what? What's happening is a combination of excellent producing by one Danielle Jones Wesley, who brings on such amazing uh, new people to the show, and then excellent taste in uh, old comedy friends, which is <laughs> I'll credit myself. <laughs> if I can bring it back to me. If I can bring it back to me and how amazing I am at this show. Um, Bonari, before we get started, I just want to ask you as our resident um, international diplomacy advisor. Of course. Um, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Do you, because we don't, we're not talking about it formally, because I was like, I don't know what to specifically say. What is your, do you have any thoughts on Ukraine that you want to just share off the cuff? Just some oh, hilarious. Just a little, just a, uh, just a, well, you know, of course, my first thought is that uh, my opinions are my own and in no way represent those of the U.S. Army, the U.S. Army Reserve, the U.S. government, coalition forces, or anyone real or imagined, of yes. course. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, of course. Um, I think that uh, since about 2014... Since uh -huh. the annexation of Crimea, yeah, I mean, yeah, Vladimir Putin has made no bones about the fact that he wants Ukraine back as part of Russia. Yeah, um, he's Ukraine been pretty clear really, about go, that. Ukraine goes back to around the time of Catherine the Great in terms of being the crown jewel in the Russian Empire, um, and part of that too is the access to, uh, I believe, the Black Sea. It, it, it's it's the access to the sea. So yeah. a lot of trade goes through there, but it's also strategic interests and military might and all of that. But there's also the rich history there. And so since the fall of the Soviet Empire, um, Ukraine was sort of that, that thorn in the side of Vladimir Putin, and he made no bones about it. And one of the things that happened in the 90s when we had the um, – when we were – it was basically anti-nuclear proliferation, and we mm -hmm. signed deals and to get – Ukraine was one of the few former Soviet countries that had nuclear weapons because yeah. the Soviet Union's nuclear stockpile was in Ukraine. So when, when it fell, they kept the nukes and it no longer belonged to Russia. So when we signed the, these disarmament packs... Um, That's like, the by the way, when you... I left a Justin Timberlake CD <laughs> at an ex-boyfriend's apartment. You're never getting that back. And I truly... <laughs> 
really was, it was one of those things that I was like, I will think about this for the next 20 years of my life. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, it, and it's true. It's still happening. So Continue. one of the, one of the agreements that was made to Ukraine, Ukraine was like, if we give up our nukes, we have no way to stop Russia from invading us in the future. And we were like, the U.S. was like, don't worry about it. We got your back. Mm-hmm. And in that time, Ukraine hasn't been brought into the NATO partnership. They've, they've wanted to, to become part of NATO. They have not become part of NATO. So there's not really an international official coalition around protecting Ukraine. We have signed treaties with Ukraine saying that if Russia gets overly aggressive, you know, and all that, which is why Putin has put so much time on the ground from within Ukraine, sowing dissent, creating a groundswell of support to uh, become part of Russia again. That's what Mm, the annexation of Crimea was about. That's what installing sort of puppet governments have been about, um, fostering little coups on the ground and and getting that to happen. So all that to say is um, the Cold War is back, baby. Everything that we loved in the 80s from Cobra Kai to the Cold War, it's all back. Is Dolph, yeah. yeah. Wait, who's Dolph Lundgren going to play? That's my huge question. Um, all right. Well, I just wanted to see what, yeah, be, so the, because the weird thing about the Cold War being back is that it's exactly that. Like, there's a lot of chatter right now, but nothing specifically going on, except for yeah. maybe there's some, like, mild uh, troop movement. But maybe it's considered aggressive. It's sort of a matter of how you look at it. But uh, I I, uh, I guess we'll just, just, we'll just wait. One of the funnier, stories that I heard about the the Ukraine tensions in the last couple of weeks was that uh, was NPR was like uh, the people of Ukraine are still partying <laughs> it was basically it was still basically it was basically how you could be it, the subject of something people would go to war for but still like you know going out and getting boozed boozed up you know what I mean and sure. uh, both of those things can happen all right well let's get into official topic number one uh, you guys, several months ago, we talked about the Great Resignation, uh, where a record number of people in the American labor force were using uh, this pandemic as an opportunity to quit their jobs. Uh, and then we, um, you know, there's a few reasons why the quitting was happening. And actually, at the time when we first talked about this, I can't remember, I think it was maybe over the summer, when we first talked about this, we didn't have a lot of the data on the specific reasons why um, why this was happening. Uh, but now there's actually some data. MIT did a, a study, and I wanted to look at some of these these points because I thought they were so interesting. Do you know, either of you, where pay ranks on the list of grievances of why people are quitting, were qu- or you know, in, at the Great Resignation, which lasted for quite a long time. Well, according to the article that you sent us, <laughs> <laughs> this is a test to see if you did any of the fucking reading. Uh, okay, <laughs> according to the reading, according to the reading, uh, via Nagin, um, who does a great job with the show. Uh, let me just oh, say, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. The pay actually ranks fairly low. I think like toxic environment was higher. Yeah, um, pay ranks sixteenth, yeah. which is so low. I thought pay would at least be top five. It is definitely top five, not top five. 
five. Toxic culture, right, is number one. Just feeling like the place you're working is shitty, that you're maybe being disrespected. Um, number two is job insecurity or reorganization. So that feeling that you're going to quit before they fire you uh, because maybe, you know, maybe the company's not going to be around or maybe they, you know, that you just sent something's afoot. Um, and here's one that I thought was really interesting. High levels of innovation. Are you hearing that, Elon Musk? High levels of innovation uh, apparently is too much and it can burn people out. People don't love high levels of innovation on the job. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then the the other one to round out the top four are is a failure to recognize performance. So like if you're doing a really great job, but nobody ever says anything about it, uh, that also ends up being a big reason why people quit tracy were you surprised by uh by those top four i actually wasn't as surprised i mean i was surprised that pay wasn't in the top but aside from that i think that all tracks with how we want to feel at work and i think for the innovation one how i read that was that it seems like in conjunction with the article you sent from the Washington Post also that like <laughs> folks just just dabbling this some is, great articles, way, some great journalism. Is, um, the, we're, we're doing bibliographies now on Fake yes. the Nation. So yes. Can you- <laughs> yes, there you Look, are. We, so, we, we always cite our sources here. Yes, we want to cite our sources. But I thought that that was sort of saying also like people are people are waiters. They're not trying to become cooks. You know, like I don't yeah. want to have to innovate in the kitchen. We're making pizza. Why are you asking me to make dim sum? You know, like and yeah. I get that because especially at a time where things are tough and you're not sure if you're going to have a job and you're feeling like there's a lot going on. Mm. Maybe you don't need to be innovating. Maybe you need to just be bringing the pizza from the kitchen to the table. So I definitely could relate. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like who wants to not be respected when you're showing up for a work and putting yourself and your family at risk every single day? Like certainly not me. Yeah. And uh, it's so yeah. funny because I feel like innovation is a code word for flair. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you're saying, you're a waiter. It's like, oh, I'm not wearing enough buttons for yeah. your taste. Okay. I have to, uh, I have to have a, I have to have my own saunter over to the table. Right. I can't just bring the meal. Uh, and like, but do I al- we need to do the most right now? Like, yeah. can we just do like a really solid job at what we do? Or do we really need to be innovating yeah. at this can't moment? We, can't we put the priority on being functional? first and then we'll get to the innovation but i also think that uh innovation also is sort of an umbrella for these buzzwords that we have and and it goes down whether it's corporate the corporate world or even something as like even the restaurant world or you know you're you're an uber driver they 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 do these uh zoom meetings now and they'll get everyone together to do team building and it's like oh we want inner we, we want interconnectivity and synergy and everything's about the universe of the, the work that you're doing. Like you're part of this metaverse, you know, whether you can't even you can't even have something like Facebook where I'm just going to go, you know, try and talk to my racist relatives. Now it has to be part of the whole, you know, integrated cinematic universe of Facebook. Facebook right? <laughs> so, right, right, right. So like this, these these buzzwords, this jargon that we that we do, it, it, it gets so cumbersome. But yeah. Who doesn't? Who wants to also be part of a toxic environment where you're just being beaten down? Who wants to be part of something where your your work isn't valued? When we have other options, you know, one of the major things that's happened is people used to stay in jobs because they needed the benefits. Oh, okay, I needed healthcare. I need. I can't leave this job. Well, now we have options. We don't have to stay in shitty jobs 
if we don't want to. And one thing that is interesting, and I know that the the numbers are a little bit different, but the unemployment rate is something like 3.9% right now. We're at, we're at historic lows. And even though it doesn't factor in all the, the number of people who work you know, part-time or, or right. underemployed and things like that, the workers seem to be deciding the, the marketplace right now. Employers aren't deciding what kind of well, jobs people is, okay, get. Employees so this, are deciding. Okay, so this brings up the next part of this segment, which is about what happened to all those people who quit. So we read a piece, as as Tracy mentioned in the Washington Post, where we where they talk about like a year later, all those people that started the Great Resignation. They followed a handful of them, and where are they? You know, uh, they they looked at like eight people who left this one restaurant of the eight, uh, four of them quickly found employment at other restaurants for the same or less pay. So that was a weird thing that I noticed with a lot of these anecdotal stories is that they didn't necessarily increase their pay. And I found this, you know, across articles um, in this, you know, again, in the, the post anecdote, um, one person left and they felt uh, they wrote, I financially, I'm stressed. The pressure is on in a way that it's never been. Now it's coming to a place I have to ask myself, is this actually possible? Uh, because they left. They also are in a band. They don't, they have a child now. It's like this, you know, the story just felt like overwhelming for this right. one guy. Right. Um, it's like hard <laughs> to quit a job, but then also suddenly have an incredible uh, responsibility over another human being and keeping them alive. Um, so that it's was. The, it sounds like the plot of the next Netflix movie that's yeah. going to be up for an Oscar next year. Yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> completely. The, yeah. Um, and then two people moved to Nebraska to work on a farm, a decision they are now quote, reconsidering. Uh, <laughs> and I, I thought that was interesting because there's also, because it speaks to maybe the thing, the kind of this kind of dream of the pastoral or like what it might be like to kind of like work the land or something. You know what I mean? I, right. And again, which which I think for a lot of people, that dream is real and it and it's very satisfying. And then for other people, they're like, oh, but like it's I have arthritis now, you know, and it's right. I don't like it. And so I don't know. So there's so so I don't know. Tracy, what did you think of these the anecdotes of, of life after the Great Resignation? I had so many thoughts. So I'm going to try okay. to keep it together <laughs> because I was reading that article just like, oh, my God, my brain is melting. My first thought is that. The gentle person who has the new child and is in the band. Yeah. He went from the restaurant to another cafe bar situation where he was making a more. lot more money. Yeah, he was making money. he went from making two hundred to three hundred dollars a week or a paycheck or whatever to making twelve hundred dollars a paycheck. Huge but difference. Then that work environment turned out to be toxic, did not appreciate him, was they didn't have enough staff, they wouldn't let him have a day off. So it became the same thing. Um and I think And he like, left. And he left, and then he went to another job that is not that was a backbreaking uh, agricultural related landscaping right. situation. But then the other guy who left and went to do landscaping, which, you know, f- he has for the first time, he has benefits. For the first right. time, he Right, and the pay is vacation. not necessarily as good, but the benefits right. were better or something, and I think, right. And I think like, you know, what we're seeing is people are leaving these jobs in 
service industries where there aren't necessarily benefits, right? Where you're a waiter or a cook or you're working at a hotel, like those were the industries they saw the the biggest uh, resignation moments. And those jobs don't always come with the benefits. So if the money is not good and there's no benefits and you're being treated like shit, like what are we doing here? So I totally get that. I, I think the people who went to Nebraska, I wonder if part of their reconsidering because they were former owners of this restaurant right, we yeah. were hearing about. I wonder if part of it was like, oh, the world's opening up again. Do we want to go back to life? Because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people moved away and then went, came back to and their, are coming yeah. back now because they're like, okay, I want to put my kid back in regular school. Like I'm tired of doing Little House on the Prairie, would love an opportunity to go to the spa. And I think (laughs) there's one thing about all of these stories that really I feel like is never mentioned and I think is very important. And a lot of like unemployment numbers, you know, a lot of people don't have jobs, but part of it, part of the openings are that people have died from COVID or have become disabled from COVID. So it's not as if all of these places don't have workers because everyone has quit. A lot of people are no longer alive or able to work. And that's something that I wish these articles took into consideration because that makes it harder on the people who are working. That's why you have to cover all these shit. That's right. And a lot of people who were survivors of their co-workers just dying from COVID or getting right. crippled from COVID are like, I don't want to work at a place that's going to do that to me. Right. I better get out of here before that happens to me. And right. I think what we're also talking about is the pandemic has really crystallized people's worldview, I think. Um, and especially in America, there seems to be a ticking clock that there that we didn't have before. It used to be, okay, I'll get a job and I'll work there. The, the dream is I'll work there for 30 to 40 years or until I die. And then I'll get a watch for retirement and that's my life. And now it's like, oh shit, a pandemic could hit. Everything is chaos. I better just do what I want every day for the rest of my life until it's all over because it might be ending sooner rather I mean, than later. Then, so quality the, of life is right. important. Equality of life is important, but then also the reality sinks in that you're like, I, you know, with a guy with the baby and the band and all that stuff, where he's sort of like, maybe I shouldn't have left that bar job that was paying me really well because I could have really used that Mm -hmm. money right now. And so there's, so, so I think with all these stories, one of the things that we're seeing is some people have a little bit more flexibility to like, to like, to see what it means to do something you want to do or have an experience, you know, to go to Nebraska and maybe not like it. You know, maybe those people have a touch more flexibility. And for people who don't, who are always living on a razor's edge, the flexibility lasts as long as unemployment lasts. The flexibility mm-hmm. lasts as long as just like whatever meager, you know, savings you might have. And then the reality hits you again where you do have to make compromises, Um uh, and, and do things that you don't necessarily want to do. But don't we think that like to that point, part of it is like I can quit my job at any point because I'm not being paid necessarily well. I don't have benefits. I don't have I have a toxic work environment and I can always go back to that because there's plenty of opportunities to get a, a job. There are all these openings. Right. So I feel like that's also what we're seeing. People are bopping from job to job to job because when it doesn't work, it's just a lot easier to quit as opposed to staying and like working yeah. through it. Yeah. And in that in the gig economy, there's a lot more these these uh, these jobs that don't necessarily require the 14 years of experience and a, and a PhD to apply for them. You can just pick up a job in any state that you move to. But when you talk about flexibility, 
I, I think, the, and I hate to throw out the word, but we're really talking about privilege. There's a lot of people yeah. who are privileged to be able to find themselves during this time or to, to, mm-hmm. to move on or try on different things. And I think that that privilege has actually been extended to more people now. It used to just be like, okay, I get out of college, you know, I'm, I'm a college grad and I'll, I'll find myself in my 20s. Um, and some people didn't have that opportunity. Now people who normally weren't in those uh, positions to find themselves have a little more flexibility. They have a little more privilege to search around, try on different types of jobs, see what fits them best. Go to Nebraska, try and till the land. Okay, I don't want to be a farmer. I'm going to go back to the city life or whatever it is. They now have that opportunity. And why wouldn't they take advantage of it? Why not take advantage of it? And isn't that the American dream? Isn't that the American dream to go and and try to find who you are and and be the best version of who you are and find the thing that fits um, while still being a productive member of society? No. I mean, yeah, no. it's funny because the American dream. I'm trying to think of like, yeah, I'm trying to think like, like when the pioneers were traversing to the West, was their dream to find themselves or was it just like to be able to like get some money and like live off the land? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, well, it's I think find, this, yeah. this, this focus on the self and like the essential, you know, what is my essential purpose or whatever, like that stuff is, it is a little bit of a, like a 21st century you know, a thing, a, tw- a 20th century and a 21st century like luxury. To, but we to spend be able so to much time in our jobs. I think the thing that's been crystallized, we spend so much time at work that your work becomes who you are. Who you your are. work becomes your identity. This is why, this is how, this again, I'm going to point out my experience as a resident of France, not mm-hmm. to brag, but I did live there for a minute. <laughs> and um, and in France, they when you go to a party, I've said this before, but when you go to a party and you meet someone new, they never ask you what you do. It is just not a qu- They spend 40 hours a week or 35 hours a week at work, uh, but they, uh, but they, but life is about vacations. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. all right, folks, let me know, um, did, were you a part of the, and, and a bunch of people actually did write me during that time and talking about how they quit i remember one listener had some crazy number of interviews already lined up like 12 interviews in a week or something already lined up having quit the week before um let me know it's now been several months since that happened what did you land on your feet do you like it um i'm so curious we had a lot a lot of listeners who were in this um who were in this category and oh i also want to mention a friend of mine who owns a lot of businesses she's experienced the great resignation actually more recently and so the thing the number one thing that people have come to her with is flexibility they want more flexibility mm-hmm. and they think that if they go on 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 their own as independent contractors she runs some hair salons that they can achieve that flexibility and i think there's a thing that people it, again it's a little bit of glamorizing mm-hmm. being your own boss which mm-hmm. i want to say as someone who is my own boss it's not all it's no. cracked up to be no. you know I what want i someone mean to tell me what to do yeah <laughs> Yeah, 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 I want to hire a boss every day. Yeah, no, Literally. completely. Who is wants that a to job be my that we boss? could create? I think so. But I like, think I like have you the have whole. To get, I think you have to give over your business. Like, I like want to hire my own CEO, but then I'm right. like, wait, but this is my. Whole, I know. Like, I basically just want to hire someone to yell at me, like a task yeah. manager. Yeah, a task yeah. manager. Exactly. Like a- Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app 
that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Thank you to Angie for sponsoring this HeadGum podcast. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Indeed. So if you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Yeah, doing stuff yourself seems fun, but then you actually get to, you know, solving a problem and you realize that mm -hmm. you can create 10 more problems and then you probably should have just paid a, yeah. a professional to deal with it right off the bat. You can easily injure and or maim yourself as well. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. You just get the app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. It's very convenient. It sure is, folks, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. So download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Thank you, Angie. Angie.com. Thank you. 
a CEO that works for you. So you're both like the employee, but also like the board of trustees. And yeah, then you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, Completely. you're doing a terrible job sure. bossing me around. Completely. All right. Well, let's move. Uh, let's, you know what? Let's take a quick break to learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll talk about nude photos. Hey. We are back and we're ready for topic number two. So, you know, sometimes I check out the ethicist column in the New York Times. Um, and I uh, and I was reading it this week and there was um, one of the questions was from a, a reader who had just broken up with someone and they wanted to know whether they should and how they should ask their ex if that person can delete nude photos of them. Uh, it just felt like a question for the ages. So first, before we get into that specific situation, have either of you been in a situation with an ex where you wanted them to delete either a nude photo or something else um, that was embarrassing or personal or an object that you wish you could get back? Uh, has this happened to you in an ex situation and how have you handled it? No, it has not. <laughs> I have been incredibly blessed with the exes that I've had. I have never left anything anywhere, basically in my oh entire my life, God. that I ever wanted something back. I'm one of those like very intense people, very cataloged life. And I don't send nude pictures. I don't do it. I'm yeah. just like a little bit too old, I think. And it wasn't really a thing. And I stopped dating 11 years ago. So it just sort of was never a thing. I, I stopped dating because I met my husband. So... And, you know, yeah, we're still married. So I haven't gotten to the point of like, give me everything back. Or you, you're the, still, keep the you're still dating your husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Benari, have you have you ever left anything or, you know, I made have, it make it I awkward? No, phone call? no nudes for me. I don't send nudes. I'm, I'm too uh, demure for that. No one wants to see. No one wants. <laughs> no one wants to get that in their inbox from me. I'm just trying to keep everyone happy. And they'd be like, thank you. Thank you for not sending me. Dick pics. We appreciate it. That's been the consensus across the board. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I There's been one or two instances where I've had exes who are... I'm, I'm on pretty good terms with most of my exes. Um, and part, part of that is just because it's communication as well. Like, partly, you know, you don't... You're kind of always in the back of your head thinking like, you know, I don't want to do something that's going to give someone leverage over me. Um, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know <laughs> Wait, if you guys you're operate always that way, but, thinking that in the back of your but, head. But, <laughs> you know, part of the reason I probably have multiple exes is because in the back of my brain, I'm always thinking about wow, if Benari. the situation goes sideways. <laughs> Benari's really good at vulnerability. Let's say we got to work on your vulnerability. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really good about that. Uh, so, yeah. So now that I'm saying this out loud, I think that answer. A lot of questions, um, because but yeah, it's there's a there's was there there's a moment where you have to yeah where I've had to like oh could you take that post down or like that's too much private information you know and, right. and I like to keep my private life private and most most of them most exes and anyone I've been in relationships with even currently like are very respectful of the of privacy so that's right. Um, I will. Okay. Again, I, I mean, mm. there's no, there's no photo situation that I, because like I took a tit pic a couple times, but in a bra. So it's sort of like see me on the beach. It's the same thing. Yeah, like it's yeah. not that excited. There's like, it was a, you know, it was, it was, it was like more conservative than a Victoria's Secret catalog. Like what I've done. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, the Justin Timberlake like, CD. 
Hello. But the Justin Trudeau, well, and that I just, it's funny because I have a particular fondness because he was like one of the like first concerts that I, like one of the, you know, 10 major concerts yes. that I saw at, like early in life. And I had like a particular fondness for this one album. And I don't know, I just was, it just felt so terrible, even though it was easy to replace. Also, who has CDs anymore? Like CDs were already on the way out. I don't even know (laughs) why this ended up like, you know what I mean? Like nobody was using CDs at this time. This was like 2005. Come on. Um, So I do have some loose nukes that I'm trying to get back. And those are very (laughs) difficult to reacquire. (laughs) But I will say that an ex called me once, um, oh no, actually, maybe I think he sent me an email asking. He gave me a necklace and he wanted it back, and that just no. set, felt very petty because it mm-hmm. wasn't an heirloom or anything. It wasn't like this belonged to my fucking grandmother. Like, no, it was just some necklace that he bought. Also, wasn't terribly expensive. Like, none of that. It wasn't. It was just. It felt mean. Like, Did it just you give felt it mean. No, I didn't give it back. Okay, no, I didn't gosh, give it back. No, gosh, no, okay. no. Well, uh, I just had to ask. You brought it I up. Had, I needed to know. <laughs> it's funny because I never wore it. It wasn't my t- my taste. But now I, I'm keeping it forever, like out of some kind of you know, um, an irritation that it that. Do you he, think? Do you think that asking for something like that back actually makes the situation worse? Like yes. I feel like there's an yeah. understanding if you're with someone, anything you give them, whether it's a necklace or a nude, like this is a thing that will live forever. They have this. I've given this to them now. I This is now they are they, they have this and it's out there and I've given this freely and willingly and I can't get this back. I put it out there. If you ask for it back, I feel like just from sheer pettiness, someone would be like, well, now I'm going to look at this nude every day. Like right, right, right. No, exactly. It, it it calls too much attention to the thing. Um, and I actually set up two friends together and then they were together for a few months, but then they broke up. And my friend, in like a moment of just not behaving well, called me and was like, listen, can you go? Uh, I gave that guy like a lucky fucking rabbit's foot or something I don't remember something random and can you get it back and I was like what and I I just I was less like okay you know you're feeling bad right now and I totally understand and I just ended it with like I'll see what I can do and I did obviously never talk I never talked to that guy about getting back her stupid thing and she forgot and who knows you know but um but that she's listening right now and she's gonna be like you never even fucking asked I love that rabbit's foot (laughs) Tracy you were gonna say I just I I think that giving someone a gift is different than sending a nude okay because I do feel like a nude could be used against you in a way sure like you're not taking that necklace and gonna be like oh Mario gave me this necklace and now I will destroy him (laughs) it is a blood diamond from Africa like I just feel like it's a different thing right no true because you're if you have I don't know let's say you have political aspirations or you're a public figure in any way like the new teacher just anything or like someone could just be really nasty and send it out you know or just show it to people not even you know like there's just ways to be nasty with it and it's like someone's body and obviously you know that's a very important part of who we are our bodies Mm -hmm. um so I do agree that asking for it could be could make things worse but I also feel like asking for someone to delete a nude you know 
it doesn't hurt to ask necessarily unless the person unless you really think the person's a fucking asshole and you really think they have it out for you and then I would not ask and just move on and cross your fingers and your toes and rub a lucky rabbit's foot and really hope because right I mean there's there's something that I did that I did leave give someone (laughs) that I find deeply embarrassing because I wasn't ever one that could like openly share my feelings and I almost and I think I I mean I think I truly never did this but I wrote exactly one love letter in my time as a dater and I'm deeply embarrassed by this one (laughs) love letter and I and and it's like it was a hard copy like okay it was a printed out I wrote, I typed it and printed it and then True delivered love. it that way. <laughs> True love comes with a printer. Um, and I am, yeah, I would find it very embarrassing if the contents of that letter were to come out because I took, I was at great pains to sidestep the word love mm. or the word like affection. Mm-hmm. And so I went into many ridiculous word flowers to, to not use those words while also trying to like convey some meaning, but having a hard time doing it because I don't do that well. Anyways, that would be a very embarrassing letter if it came out. And it it, it didn't occur to me to add, because I thought, again, like, you know, like the reader in the ethicist column, I thought if I said a word about it, it would draw too much attention. That that letter would then be laminated. I mean, it's pr- it probably went straight into a recycling bin. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I also think with the nude photo, I just want to say this one tiny thing, which is that I do think that having your nude photos leaked publicly is super embarrassing and feels like such a violation. I also think that if your ex leaked your nude photos, either to your community, depending on who you are, or to the public, they would actually come out looking like the piece of shit. You would be totally mortified. You would feel totally violated. It is a horrible, horrible thing to do. And yet still, you would win that moment. Of, and you may yeah. get a compliment for them titties. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> the two that I said. <laughs> you might find your next significant hey. other. Uh, I agree a thousand percent um, because I do think giving nudes is a type of gift, um, but it mm-hmm. comes with more trust yeah. mm-hmm. and should come with respect. And when the breakup occurs, that's either either that's the moment of like, negotiation of okay and we all agree like our private like our nudes and all that sort of stuff stays under lock and key because if they get leaked i feel like that's a violation of the unspoken agreement and it's against Once, the law yeah, well it's against the law but it's also like all bets are off i no right. longer ha- I, I no longer have to play by the the rules right. of civility once you've leaked nudes because you right. violated the law and our trust right uh, it's it's and it's it's weird how nudes are both you know some sort of declaration of lust and or love and blackmail at the mm-hmm, same time mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. they have such a particular um you know place in in a romantic story Although I'm old now you know people had like pic- like actual pictures like printed out pictures you know I had girlfriends who had you know boxes you know, had little shoe yeah. boxes with hearts yeah, yeah, on them yeah, and be yeah, like yeah, oh totally. what's in there and it's like oh that's Jonah oh you know and get, you know <laughs> you're like okay but people keep keepsakes from past relationships but they were like hard copies now everyone's got it on their phone I feel like younger generations nudes 
don't seem to be a big deal anymore. I feel like it was such. I know that's a the thing. other thing. I feel like it was such a scandal. And I feel like we hit peak scandal with nudes and now everyone's like, who hasn't seen everyone nude? Like, no one gives right. a shit anymore. That's true. I mean, it's like once sex tapes could be monetized, mm-hmm. it felt it's like it's all been kind of whatever since then a little bit. Um and also, you know, I don't know, we're living in a different world of like a, a body positivity or fake body positivity where it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, what? My nudes are out. Celebrate, you know. Um, so one of the, the thing that the ethicist said, by the way, is, uh, you know, you could ask uh, him to delete these images and to ri- remind him that he doesn't have your consent to share them. A decent person would ex- would accede to that request and wouldn't need that reminder. But he may take the view that he's entitled to these mementos and even if you promise to delete them you have no way of knowing so you'd have to trust someone um so so basically it's a trust issue that that comes to to bite you and the ass in the end is because you could like that guy could you know i could be like yeah i'm totally sending your necklace back but like really i was never gonna say you know what i mean so there's that um and i'm technically a good person uh so we all agree that my trust issues is beneficial yeah 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 yeah. i think think what we should all do is be closed off in our relationships never show vulnerability totally guarded and never be open so that you don't run into any of these problems and you should Uh, not only not send nude pictures you should actually never get naked with anyone period (laughs) even yourself fully clothed at all times otherwise someone could take a picture of you naked somehow that's right and send it that's right all right well let us move on but before we do i want to remind people that we are in the middle of another thrilling season of races to watch um races r-a-c-e-e-s to watch uh and um i just want to you know no one has sent me their race their district this week which i found astonishing because i got a lot of thank you dms for restarting races to watch but then i didn't get the district so do not forget to send me what are the districts it doesn't matter how small the races we want to highlight those races and while we are um added, I want to remind you guys of the organization Swing Left. I mention these guys pretty regularly. I love Swing Left because they find districts, uh, you know, nearly in every state that could swing left. And that it, it's, it's a winning strategy to keep uh, the house. Um, and for example, right now, I just looked on Swing Left to see what they were up to. And Jones Democracy Cafe phone banks to elect Democrats in Arizona was on a couple days a week. You can go to Jones Democracy Cafe and they phone bank to elect Democratic candidates in Arizona. Arizona, um, like the incumbent U.S. Senator Mark Kelly, uh, they want to protect and increase their Senate uh, majority um, and their uh, and their representatives in the House. So that is, for example, if you are in Arizona, Swing Left is working very hard in Arizona. So check them out. All right, let us move on to topic number three. Um, so we read. By the way, we're taping this on on. Tuesday. We're taping it a little earlier than normal because I'm guest hosting. Wait, wait, don't tell me this weekend. The hey. schedules conflict. Hey. Look at you. Um, you know, I'm just, that's how I, I'm just very, I lived in France once and I, uh, I've, I'm have i guest hosting. I've wait, yet wait. to get I'm through an episode really... where you haven't mentioned that you lived in France <laughs> and never guest will. host. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you never will, Benari. You really never will. Um, so we read, so by, my point is, I don't know, there could be other things that happened this weekend. We're just not, we're just not talking about them. Uh, but 
we did read a piece by Alex McElroy called Why is Holding a Grudge So Satisfying? And in it, they say that, quote, a grudge is watered down, drinkable, and refreshingly effervescent, the low-calorie lager to resentment's bootleg grain alcohol. <laughs> um, so, you know, before we sort of dig into uh, their, you know, main feelings about grudges, are either of you, and this is sort of like a, a sister um, segment to the previous segment, are either of you grudge holders? Is that something that rings true for you? Yes. <laughs> I, this, uh-huh. When I saw that we were going to talk about this, I was like, oh, Nagin must know me personally, <laughs> deeply. <laughs> she, we must be kindred spirits because this is part of my brand is I read and talk about books and the other part of my brand is that I'm petty and I love a grudge and I never fucking forget that is who I am (laughs) and I like milk those are my three pillars of my personality you you and my toddler you and my toddler that's right um so but what what are the areas of grudge holding that you do like what types of grudges I can hold a grudge for anything anything so currently my great my my grudge of the year which was started last year is Aaron Rodgers the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers uh-huh a man I despise because he lied about being vaccinated oh, yeah. which put mm-hmm. his team and their families and everyone at risk, yeah. at risk. and any then journalist he that he spoke down. to unmasked in room like yes, in closed rooms exactly. I mean, every it just he doubled problem. down and was like I'm inoculated bitch you're not and then he went on and was like, I'm being canceled. Womp, womp, womp. So fast forward to this past weekend. Me, a gal from the Bay Area, a big 49ers fan, out to dinner, watching the game on my cell phone, screaming, fuck you, Aaron Rodgers, as this team loses on a kick to my team. The joy, I just went on Twitter and was like, please post all your jokes, more Aaron Rodgers jokes. Like that kind of petty grudge, just on that, I'll Fuels always hate you. it. Fuel, yeah. it, it's who I am. I have another well, thing. And what yeah. could Aaron Rodgers do f- to um, ameliorate Nothing. this grudge? He's done. It's over. It's a grudge. Okay. It's a grudge forever. He Wait, had a chance. Oh, so, he went so, on so Joe there's... Rogan. It's over. <laughs> he, he just he doubled down the day, yeah. the night before he got humiliated by Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. When I take Jimmy it back, Garopp- he could come on my podcast and post about it a lot on social media. <laughs> All right, Otherwise, right, there it is. There he's it is. Done. Okay, got you. Wait, so so there's the grudge that you could sort of have, which I kind of qualify that as like a fun institutional slash entertainment grudge okay because because it's you against someone who is never gonna know about your grudge okay, unless i, I mean aaron Rodgers may be a huge fake of the nation fan hit me yeah. up <laughs> um so we don't know but but you know like but but in general i think there's that type of grudge there's but there's the type of grudge that are that to me are like the ones between friends or have like a co-worker yeah, have all uh, of those. yeah do you you have those do i they, have those too i have like I have I get a lot of social media DMs um, and I have a lot of nemesis in my DMs. They don't know, oh, yeah. oh, but yeah, like yeah, they're yeah, people yeah. that I yeah. deeply despise. I also have like friends who do things that irritate me, like little things. And, you know, we'll go to a restaurant and I hate the way that they order. And every time they order, you know, I'll look at my best friend and be like, 
<laughs> they're about to do that fucking annoying thing again. So I have those kind of grudges. I have grudges right. against people at the grocery store. I, you know, it's mostly just when people live out like my pet But it you keep peeps. them fun. You, well, yeah. Because I think that's like, what the article says. A resentment. Yeah. Right, right, right. When there's it an becomes, element of fun to the grudge. When it becomes something that like destroys me or like gets on my nerves, that's more of a resentment. And that's that, what do they say, bootleg lager or bootleg grain liquor or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, the grudge has to be fun. The whole point is that it's fun. It's a joke. It's something, you know, it's something for the group chat. Once it becomes something for my therapist, not then, a grudge. Right, it's a different right. It's but a different Nari, thing. where are you at in the grudge, in the grudge averse? I, I think the healthy grudges that I've held are the <laughs> ones where like, oh, you know, two two whiskeys in, I can shit talk this person. I'd be like, well, here's what they fucking did. Remember in <laughs> 1997? And it's yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the type of thing that's healthy. I do, I've probably had a couple of unhealthy grudges. Um, weirdly in comedy, I came from Boston comedy. Mm, let's and, talk about, yeah, comedy grudges, I love these. <laughs> one of my good friends, Tony V, who was like a mentor and a, and a comic and sort of known within the comedy community, he uh, was friends with Dennis Leary. Had like Dennis Leary stayed at his uh, stayed at his apartment. Like he he the, you know they were they were good friends. And when Dennis Leary was on the rise up, he stole a bunch of material from like Tony V amongst other people. It, you know there was uh, there was there was a couple other people that he that he uh, Frank Santarelli jokes. It was just like other like eighties comics. And he his first special. Uh, Dennis Leary's first special was like rife with other Boston comics material. And on behalf of these, I didn't know Dennis Leary. I still don't know Dennis Leary. I, I have nothing to do with the guy. But fuck but Dennis I have, Leary. But I've held a grudge against that on behalf of like Boston comics, my friend, you know, friends who were affected by it. By the way, they made yeah, peace. Yeah. Tony V did like comics come home a few years ago. He like put, you know, he buried the hatchet. Senator uh, Raleigh's been on his show. Like, you know, I'm sure I know Dennis Leary has like made, uh, tried to make inroads with these comics and and make things better. But in my head, I'm like that. Guy, it's based on it. You know, it's a road paved with lies. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And I will always hold that grudge because it's like there's some. I feel like the grudge is like a cosmic injustice that you can't correct. The only thing you can do is remember <laughs> that yeah. that exists right. and and move forward with it. Well, it's funny. I I one of my I don't know if this is a, gr- a grudge specifically. I one thing that I think about probably like you know every other month for years is that I did a job. I mean, this must've been my, one of my very first jobs where I was hired to sort of like just direct and edit this little thing, a mm-hmm. sizzle tape for like a, you know, for a production company, pitch a show, whatever. And they never paid me. And, nope. you know, and I, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I mean, that money is long gone. Nobody, no, they, nobody thinks about it except for me six <laughs> times a year. Mm-hmm. And, but it just, the idea that you would shit on a broke comic mm-hmm. who's just doing shitty editing jobs on the side to like <laughs> make ends meet and then not pay them the money. It just felt 
so terrible. Oh, really? uh, and I still will think about this, you know, specific, specifically this woman who hired me who then fucked me over. Uh, I, I can't, I, when it's, especially when it's a thing like that and you're like picking, and I think in your case too, Benari, it's like picking on the little guys. Mm-hmm. I, that makes me crazy. I also think that, you know, there's been people in comedy who have done like a shitty thing to me. Like I was on a show of theirs before they got famous uh-huh, and, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, that guy's just a dick and I'll never like that guy. Like he just, he, you know, the way you treat people who, who don't matter to you, who, who can't help you in your career. I, I take that personally, whether it's to me personally or to anyone else in, in my vicinity, um, I that those are the grudges that I will always hold on to in comedy. It's yeah, like and you, those are like very yeah. specific. They're like fr- they're similar to the Aaron Rodgers grudge, and that mm-hmm. that these people are now so big because I have those two where I know, uh, or I know because of the business, I am I then work with some famous mm-hmm. people, and I see they how they are as people, and they're beloved in others, you know, as 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 celebrities, and I'm just like so annoyed because I've seen them be a dick one too many times and so I have you know I hold this grudge that's actually based on good information like what if Aaron Rodgers is like the sweetest guy right and he (laughs) isn't but I I will not have you talking nice about my grudge like that this interview is over I'm gonna leave Uh, here's a red flag for Aaron Rodgers no one in his family talks to him yes so that's not a guy who's a good guy yeah he didn't even go on the bachelor when his brother was to be Wait at the, a meet the family. Hold on. Nobody in his family talks to him? No. Yeah. They had like There's a, a guy who holds out. a fucking grudge. Yeah, he and holds they're a all <laughs> they're all public about it. Like everyone super, is public. Well, so, okay, it's the brother, the no, brother went this, on the bachelorette. I know nothing about. Okay. And he ended up winning. Okay. He he's he's engaged to uh JoJo. Great. <laughs> and I hope they're happy. <laughs> they are. They just got re-engaged. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> they do, you know, they do. A- That's another drama. <laughs> no, it was like a good, they like, they got engaged on the show, but then they wanted to get engaged on their own terms. Okay, you know, the okay, vibes. Yeah, Very sure, important. Sure. Anyways, so they go to do the like meet, meet the family, you know, the at home thing. And he, Aaron doesn't go, but it's a thing the whole season because his brother is like a front runner the entire time. And so it's like, is Aaron Rodgers going to show up? Is he going to like be? But then they like talk about him. They're like, you know, my other brother isn't able to be here and it's not football season. <laughs> like they're like casually <laughs> like shaming him. But yeah, he's not um, a good person. He's an asshole. First of all, thank you so much for this Aaron Rodgers learning hour. Yes. Uh, because Happy that's to do re- it. Mostly what I wanted to do for the people of Fake the Nation is to learn mm-hmm. a thing about a sportsman uh, that I, I would n- normally never be able to talk about. <laughs> and it's never too late to really despise Aaron Rodgers. It's never yeah, too yeah, late. Yeah, yeah, Join the grudge. Join <laughs> yeah. the larger Fake the Nationwide Aaron Rodgers grudge. You've been overrated for like 11 years. You, you <laughs> mentioned him in the same breath with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. He's won one Super Bowl. One 11 years ago he's been one and done in the postseason <laughs> since and then do you know this is just a quick little little moment oh of sports God. corner okay, do you know please. that Patrick Mahomes who's only in his like fourth year has now won as many playoff games as Aaron Rodgers yeah you know, Tracy I was and- about to say that but <laughs> thanks for you being the one to say it okay thanks that's for so me have true this <laughs> I just it's truly but I do want to say one last tiny tiny thing one about grudges one last thing close tiny, us tiny, up tiny, on grudges I do think you can 
you can correct a grudge if in the moment or close to the moment of the wrongdoing, the person immediately humbles themselves at my feet and apologizes and is like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I did I'm this so terrible thing. Right. Yes. And then I'm like, oh my God, you are my best friend. Thank you so much for recognizing yes. me and seeing me. And then it's not a grudge. And then it becomes an intimate relationship with the nudes. The end. <laughs> Completely. I've told, and, the, and, 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 and the writer talks about yeah. a scenario exactly like that. A person who I think maybe doored them when they were on the yeah. bicycle or something and, and immediately got out and was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. That was such a you know and, and paid gave them some money right up front you know whatever like uh, profuse apologies and that was just it, it was it could have been a grudge and instead it turned into a delightful moment and yes. I thought I think I think you're absolutely right and can I say I have in my circle of friends uh, the I was I basically brought together a truth and reconciliation panel oh my god uh, to to help bury a grudge um, because it was affecting like a friendship that I was like good friends with people on both sides of the issue. And it was like, this is unsustainable. We got to like work something out. And it was actually when we sat down and talked, like it was so cathartic. Oh, it was, there was something very oh, like the I friendships and the bonds became like stronger after that sort of sit down because a lot of it was petty and, and was just based on, we're just not talking to each other. But once they, they talked it out, it's now become this like really funny footnote in the history of the friendship. Right. Um, and so there can be something. Like, because people just need to talk. Yeah. So there know? can be something like an attempt to settle a grudge can lead to very rewarding, uh, to a very re rewarding experience. Is what I'm saying. So, uh, folks, let me know where are you on grudges. Have you done a truth and reconciliation commission with your grudges? <laughs> and of course, where are you on Aaron Rodgers? Uh, please let me know. I'm so curious. And before we formally end the show, I want to thank people who've been writing reviews for Fake the Nation. Mm. Oh my God! Let me just read a couple that I just thought were so delightful. Um, to it. 2736 wrote best political podcast around you guys this is seriously the best political podcast out there funny and informative with a whole lot of heart to gain and guess focus on optimism is really refreshing she so often presents really difficult to digest news in a hopeful light love 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 this pod heart emoji I am so honored by that review that's so wonderful and Elizabeth and Finch also gave us five stars and wrote hands down my favorite podcast fake the nation is hands down my favorite podcast and I I listen to many. I've listened to every single podcast for the last four-ish years. As someone who needs news and politics uh, in her earballs to feel engaged in the world, it's so refreshing to have commentary delivered in an optimistic and funny way. And Nagin's optimism helped me get through 20, the 2020 elections. And I just love her and all her guests so much. All her guests so much. That's you guys. Hey. Also, a plug for her Patreon. If you're a regular listener, please do yourself a favor and join Nagin on Patreon because the additional content is chef's kiss. Wow. So, uh, I, you know, one, I'll co-sign on to that one. You can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. Um, and there, it, the bonus content, I think, is fun and ridiculous and and wild in a way um, that that only bonus content can be. So, <laughs> so join that. So thank you so much for those of you who've been writing reviews. It really helps people find the show. Um, so, you know, get on there. These these reviews were, were rather long. Uh, like they put not like long from I love the links. I love them. I'm just saying you don't even have to do that much work. Like you could just do a one liner um, and get out of there. But just uh, if you could get in there, uh, do us a review. That would be really great. Uh, 
what I would really love now is for the people of Fake in the Nation to be able to um, find the two of you and follow all of the wonderful things that you do because you're both so wonderful, which has clearly been evidenced by this show and your knowledge of Aaron Rodgers. So, Tracy, where do they do that? Okay, so you can find The Stacks at thestackspodcast.com. The show is about books. I didn't really say that, but it's a podcast about books. So if you read or want to read or pretend to read or want to pretend <laughs> like you read, check out the show. Um, and we're on Instagram at the Stacks pod and on twitter at the stacks pod underscore and new episodes every wednesday also leave us a review thank you yes do do all of that and also i'm one of those people that will um will occasionally tune into you know npr has some like book segments or whatever which Mm -hmm. i think this podcast the take takes care of this need for me because i do like to know about books that i all because i also I just, I read like a snail. I don't know what it is. I just don't get through as many books in a year as I wish I could. So your your podcast is both an aspiration for me as a person um, and also helps me at cocktail parties, like understand what people are talking about. So both of those things are yes. true. And I and really I love thank that you, you for do, that. You do books new and old. New I love and that old. There's, yes. I love that it's not yes. just the whatever bestseller stuff. You, you no. actually do, you new go and back old, and you're like, here's, sure. here's, a, here's an old chestnut you should take off the shelf. Well, and, I so mean, good. so many books come out. It's like, do we really all need to read every brand new book or should we maybe revisit a book that we know for sure is good? So I read all the new shit. So you don't have to. You don't have to. (laughs) Well, Benari, uh, where should people find you? Uh, At Benari Lee, B-E-N-A-R-I-L-E-E on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I can talk about books if you want me to or you know just <laughs> at me whatever uh, just to, you know we're just we're just trying to make it through this uh, this thing called life so um, and I appreciate, and and I appreciate way- all your thoughtful uh, uh, intense listeners who leave very long oh, uh, very thoughtful reviews Oh, uh, <laughs> who leave the correct um, uh, amount of review? The, the, the volume of sentences <laughs> the is exactly right. Of review. Um, so, uh, but by the way, uh, Benari uh, performs regularly all over the country. So, if you have a chance to see him, which hopefully he will talk about on his Twitter feed, you should absolutely go out and see it because it's—he's uh, just the most fun to watch live um, on on a stage near you. Uh, um, and you folks know uh, where to find me and all the stuff that I do. But what I would really love to do is thank all the wonderful people that make this show happen. Um, that's our fantastic uh, producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, um, our wonderful audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, uh, and our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. Uh, again, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Farsad, and we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a headgum podcast.